welcome to Science is Fun, Inc., the podcast dedicated to science, truth, skepticism, and fun. I am your host, Skipper, a.k.a. Kurt, and along with me today is Private, a.k.a. Ava. Hey, where is that kid? Here I am. Did you start? Did I miss anything? Nope, we've just begun. So, Avery, now that you're here, what shall we talk about today? How about robots? Okay, so what would a nine-year-old like to know about robots? So, I know that robots like R2-D2 and 3-CPO. Are there other kinds? (laughs) Oh, yes, there are. There are hundreds of different kinds of real robots. Well, like what? And what do you mean by real robots? Well, R2-D2 and 3CPO have people inside, so they don't really count as real robots. Robots are like computers with wheels or treads or wings or flippers, and some don't have any way of moving around at all. They can't move? What kind of robots are they? Well, many robots are used by factories to help make cars or trucks and are anchored to the floor. They have a large arm that can weld or paint or do other jobs. What are other kinds of robots? Well, your great-grandmother Shirley has a robot to help her vacuum her house. Nana Shirley is a robot? How come I've never seen it? Ah, but you have. It's her Roomba. That thing that vacuums her floors is a robot? Yep. Robots rarely look like 3CPO. Most of them are made to do very specific jobs, and their shape is the best shape to accomplish that job. The Roomba has a little computer in it to guide it along the floor of the room to best pick up all the stuff you and your sister drop when you're there. Hey, I'm not messy. Oops, sorry. Okay, while I clean up this mess, why don't you look up where the word robot comes from and any other interesting tidbits about them. Okay, why don't you use a Roomba? (laughs) Wise guy. So, Avery, what did you find out? So, at first I thought it was some nerdy tie like you, but it was actually a writer named Carl Kapek who wrote a play called Rossum's Universal Robots in 1920. He was Slavic, and robot in Slavic means hard work or labor. Later in the 1940s and 50s, Isaac Asimov Asimov wrote many stories about robots and robotics, and he developed the three laws of robotics. Wait, he wrote three laws of robotics before there were any robots? Yep, his stories were way ahead of their time. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah, this ought to be good. Okay, here they are. 1. A robot may not injure a human being, or, through an action, allow a human being to come to harm. 2. A robot must obey the orders given it by human beings, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. 3. A robot must protect its own existence, as long as such protection does not conflict with first or second laws. (laughs) If robots were programmed to follow those rules, then they could never take over the world like they commonly do in science fiction movies. Skipper, you said program. What do you mean by program? Remember I said robots are just computers on wheels? Yeah. Well, in order to work, a computer has to have a set of instructions. The robot follows the instructions, and if the instructions are written correctly, the job gets done. The instructions are called programs, apps, or sometimes solutions. Cool. Hey, Skipper. Why did the robot cross the road? Hmm, okay, I'll bite. Why did the robot cross the road? 
Duh, it was programmed to. Haha, <laughs> very funny. Not. So let's move on to the next segment of our show. Skipper, some of my friends told me that blood was blue inside the body, but when it hits air, it turns red. When I look down at my arm, I do see blue lines, but when I get a cut, the blood is red. So are they right? Uh, nope. Your friends were using what's called pseudoscientific explanations, ones that seem to explain what's happening, but falls apart once you start to think about it a little bit. Pseudoscientific? What does pseudo mean? Well, pseudo means false, so pseudoscientific means it's not a real scientific explanation because it's not based on facts. But it does kind of explain what we see. And that's the problem. It sounds good enough that many people stop there. They don't stop and say, hey, wait a minute, if that's true, then this must be true also. Okay, let's do a little mind experiment. A mind experiment? Are we going to experiment on our mind? No, we're going to use our minds to do the experiment. Einstein used this method all the time. We're going to ask some what-if questions to see where the answers lead us. Okay. Cool. So let's look at your friend's explanation. There seems to be a color change in the blood once it hits air. Yeah, it goes from blue to red. Now comes the interesting part. What if we could get the blood out of our body without letting it hit the air? Based on your friend's explanation, it would stay blue, and we would see blue blood, right? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. That would have to be right, but how could we get the blood out of our body without it hitting the air? Private, it's done thousands of times a day. It's called a blood draw. A nurse... Someone draws blood and uses a red crayon? Ha, no. This explanation of draw means to remove, like drawing water from a well or drawing a vanilla shake through a straw. Vanilla, my favorite. Now, all I can think of is vanilla shakes. Can we please get one? <laughs> focus, Private, focus. A blood draw occurs when a nurse uses an evacuated tube with a hollow needle attached to one end. She cleans around the spot on the skin of your arm near the elbow with a solution that kills bacteria. Then she inserts, or he inserts, the needle into the vein. And Once the needle is in the vein, she or he breaks the seal and the blood flows into the tube. So, the blood hits the air and the tube turns red? No, the tube is evacuated. That means there's no air, which means there's no oxygen in the tube for the blood to hit. And guess what? The blood enters the tube red. So, why when I look at my arm, I see blue? Because you're not looking at blood. What do you mean I'm not looking at blood? What am I looking at? See this piece of garden hose I have in my hand? I cut this piece out because there was a leak in it. So what color is the piece of hose? The outside is green with some yellow stripes among it. Yep, so if I said the color of the water flowing in the pipe was green with some yellow stripes along it, would that be correct? No, of course not, silly. Well, it's not silly if you don't know about veins and arteries. They are the hoses and the tubes that the blood flows in. And guess what color the outside of the veins are? Uh, I'm guessing it's not red, blue, maybe? Good thinking. The skin acts like a color filter, filtering out all the colors except for blue. So when we look down at our arms or legs and we see blue lines, we're not really looking at our blood at all. We're looking at the outside of our veins. The blood flowing inside is red. And when we get a cut, the vein or artery is broken and the blood flows to the outside, the same color that it was inside, red. So it's always red? Well, shades of red. In the arteries, the blood has a lot of oxygen attached to it, and it's bright red. In veins, it's a darker red, but blood is always red. 
Cool. So now can we get a vanilla shake? Hold your horses, Private. We're almost done. How about you tell our listeners about our upcoming episode and how they can contact us with suggestions or topics or questions they might be curious about. Okay, but I really want that shake. website at www.scienceisfune.com or contact us with your answer to the question of the week at question at sciencesfune.com or to suggest possible topics for upcoming episodes email topics at sciencesfune.com or to email me at private at sciencesfune.com or Skipper at skipper at sciencesfune.com. I'm Private, a.k.a. Avery, hoping you have a great week. TTFN.